Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What do you do if you're the world's most powerful man and you promise the American people a whole load of things that you just can't deliver on? And I think time is going to tell on this. If you're Donald Trump, of course, you probably blame everyone else when that moment comes or you deny you ever even made those promises. And then you just carry on with the uh, the same old bravado and bluster. And he has promised a lot, hasn't he? In that inauguration speech at the tail end of last week, the forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. He said protection and he spoke about it specifically protection will lead to greater prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body. This is very rousing stuff, isn't it? From uh, Donald Trump, Uh, President Trump. We will build new roads and highways and bridges and airports and tunnels and railways all across our wonderful nation. We will get people off of welfare and back to work, rebuilding our country with American hands and American labor. America first is what it was all about. Well, uh, Steve Keen on the Debunking Economics podcast has said in the past that Donald Trump could actually be very good for America because of this promise to build new roads and highways and bridges and the wall, of course, all creating jobs and money being pumped into the economy. But, well, he's changed his tune now and thinks Trump is almost certainly going to fail in his plan. So what has changed? Steve is here. Uh, what, what was your takeout from this inaugural address, Steve? Well, I've... I've, I've a lot about the infrastructure and so on was worthwhile. I mean, there's a huge amount of exaggerating the actual social situation of America. That's that's undeniable. Uh, that will, of course, be denied. Uh, but the the thing which worried me was he talked positively about infrastructure and also talked about tax cuts. And that, of course, to me, implies automatically a deficit which will boost the economy which it needs. Mm. And I thought that was going to be his, his avenue into... Uh, into government in the very first instance. Well, he's still, he's, saying, he's still got this belief, though, hasn't he, that the infrastructure is going to be paid for by the private sector. Yeah, that's right. And also the emphasis seems to be on getting the government back into into, into surplus virtually on day one because this is, a lot of what he's, the people he's appointed and a lot of what's being discussed now about uh, forthcoming plans implies uh, just eliminating the deficit overnight virtually by such things as abolishing uh, all government spending on the arts. Mm. Of course, that would also you know, go down well with the, with the heartland. But that is that would be Trump blowing his, well, what size are his fingers or his toes, but blowing them off uh, off the uh, in right self straight away. Because if he, go, if he actually tries to do all this stuff and tries to run a headwater surface at the same time, he'll cause the economy to, t- economy to tank in a very big way. And rather than undermining his daughter's chances of being America's first female president in 2024, he'll be undermining his chances of being re-elected in 2020. Yeah. So it could be for a very exciting ride and not for any of the reasons that Donald expects. Well, he's got this strange belief, hasn't he? I think in his mind and his advisors, if you cut tax, you create lots of jobs and all those jobs create more people who are paying tax. Therefore, you actually get more tax at the end of the day. I think that's that's what he's betting on, isn't it? 
That's the Laffer curve. And one of the problems, one of the real worries about this administration is that he's appointed people like Arthur Laffer uh, to advise him. Now, Laffer came up with this idea about an optimal scale of tax, and neoclassicals have always got this crazy idea about being able to work at the optimal level of something. Uh, but he said if you, you reckon the level of tax was past the optimal level, so if you cut the rate of tax, you'll actually allow, allow more income to be generated and increase the actual tax take. Now, what actually happened when Regan tried that out was that he cut the tax rate. Not very much happened to the... Um, to the he didn't have a dramatic increase in the economic output, but he did have a huge increase in the government deficit, which stimulated the economy and caused the Regan boom. And, and so the, 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 what they think is going to work completely fails to work, but the side effect of what they do stimulates massive amounts of government spending and gives you a deficit which pumps the money into the, into the economy and lets the economy grow. So that's that's the, um, the, the the positive expectation of putting people like Laffer and Co in charge. But if you look at the type of what's called the, the blueprint for a new administration written by the Heritage Foundation, uh, where a lot of the ideas about, for example, writing, terminating all spending, the government spending on the arts tomorrow, uh, those sorts of ideas are how to get back to a balanced budget as soon as possible, like in the next two two years. And in doing it, that is, of course, going to mean the government ceases creating money, in fact, starts taking money out of, in the aggregate out of people's bank accounts, and you'll have a crash. Right. So some of the accounting tricks they're trying to follow, where they believe the government should run as surplus, uh, that's going to devastate uh, Trump's expectations about causing a boom. Yeah, well, these cuts are going to be quite significant as well. I'm reading reports from The Hill, which is sort of like the, uh, almost like the in-house uh, publication for people in Washington. Uh, they're saying that the Department of Transport, Justice and State are all going to see significant cuts. The uh, Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the PBS, is going to be privatised. Uh, and as, yeah, as you say, the Arts and National Endowment for Humanities as well, going to be eliminated entirely. Uh, overall, this this blueprint using the Heritage Foundation, they are going to reduce federal spending, they reckon, if they follow this blueprint, by $10.5 trillion over 10 years. So as you say, that's money that's just not going to be spent in the economy. So look, when that doesn't work, because that money is out of the economy, uh, so they don't see the jobs growth that they're expecting, then, uh, of course, they're not going to get that tax revenue. So presumably, then, then they're going to say, well, look, we're going to have to make further cuts to, um, to try and meet this deficit. They're, they're just going to keep on going down that road, aren't they? No, I think, that, I think, I think that's where Trump's pragmatism will come in. If he sees the, the wheels are falling off the economy, um, then rather than saying let's keep on doing more of it, which is the usual neoclassical approach, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work the first time, do it harder. Um, <laughs> it's a failed, failed approach to begin with. I don't think he'll do that. I think he'll reverse direction. So um, that that could mean some pretty violent times in the administration. I mean, Trump is famous for the phrase "you're fired." Now, if he actually follows the advice of the Heritage Foundation and all this crowd of trying to go for an immediate surplus in the belief that'll make the economy work better and the level of cutting of government expenditure is so great that it counteracts the infrastructure spending he's talking about doing it. We've also, as you pointed out, he expects the private sector to do the, a lot of the spending rather than the government. Uh, put that all together and you have a tanking economy, he will be firing lots of people. So uh, 
there, there could be some very dramatic times on Capitol Hill coming up and not for the people who are expecting drama at the moment. No, and it could all happen in a matter of weeks or certainly a matter of months, couldn't it, the, the, the speed at which he operates? These, these, these things take time, but if you if you seriously reduce level of government spending into the economy, then you very rapidly have an impact upon the economy. This is what Roosevelt found out the hard way himself back in 36, 37, because everybody these days focuses just on the Great Depression, which is a pretty big just, of course, when unemployment went from uh, recorded NBR level of zero, effectively, as a percentage of the population in 1929, to 25%, actually 26% by 1932. But then we had this long and steady reduction in that unemployment rate. It went from 26% in 32, 33, down to 11% uh, by about 36 and at this stage, Roosevelt, listening to people like, like the Heritage Foundation today, was persuaded to go back into balancing the books, cut government spending. Well, unemployment suddenly changed from 11% to 20 And that just, you know, that, that was the end of following that advice. That's why Keynes became so dominant, because his book came out at much the same time. And basically saying, you don't, the mainstreamers don't know what they're talking about. And there was a complete flip around than an argument in favour of that stage of government deficits. So you went back to deficit spending again and the economy recovered, not because just because of the deficit, but because when the government tries to balance its books and that reduces the amount of money the people have in circulation, one thing that starts happening is they start people start going bankrupt. And the second is people st certainly start taking out credit. And you start actually trying to pay your debt down. And in that situation, you have not just one source of money supply, reducing the money supply to being the government, but bank money also goes backwards. So the economy tanks. Now, this we're, we're in a very volatile position for that because the level of private debt in America right now is only 20% lower than it was when the crisis hit. Far higher when you adjust for the way money the debt was defined either side of the, of the uh, Second World War. There's a big change in the formal definitions of debt by the Census Department before the war and by the Federal Reserve afterwards. Taking that into account, we're carrying a debt level now, which is about 20% of GDP higher than the absolute peak reached during the Great Depression. So if there's a turnaround in government spending as big as the Heritage Foundation wants, with the private sector carrying the debt levels they're carrying right now, then when, that, when the government tries to cut the spending and reduce its own deficit, that will also mean people start paying back loans more than taking out new ones. There'll be a huge plunge in the money supply and a very, very sudden downturn. So Trump could be, over, could be overseeing, rather than overseeing the boom I thought he would be overseeing by ignoring all this advice and just running a huge deficits to stimulate the economy. If he does follow this stuff, there'll be a re recession in 2018 and he'll be out there sacking his advisors like crazy, right. which will be great fun to watch. <laughs> it will. But I mean, he almost has to do that, doesn't he? Because you can imagine uh, to try and get the, the Republican support for him to say, look, we're going to uh, cut taxes. Everyone's going to go, uh, whoopie do, love that idea. Uh, but uh, if you're going to cut taxes, you've obviously got to cut spending, which is why he is talking about the arts. He's, everything he says actually is about cutting money, isn't it? So He's, he's talking about cutting the involvement in uh, in NATO, for example, as well. Probably uh, foreign aid will, uh, will take a, a big cut as well. Uh, and we've got this whole thing about America first. So this is uh, so he, he is being hugely protectionist in, in his approach. I don't. I'm not quite sure whether he was deliberately using that expression, America first, because of course that's got connotations. 
because America First was the movement that was keeping uh, the U.S. out of the uh, out of the Second World War. Um, but um, yeah, is that protectionism going to work for him? I actually use the word protectionism, and, and the thing yeah. is, what's the mainstream economists will blame for the protectionism for the collapse in the economy, but the actual collapse caused by what they do to credit creation and government money creation by um, basically encouraging people back into into deleveraging once more. They've been leveraging up in America for the last three, uh, well, really go back to 2010, but a substantial increase in the level of leverage in the last two years. I'll go back to deleveraging, which will take the sting out, out of the economy on the private sector side, and trying to run a government surface will take it out on the government side. So we'll have a slump for that reason, but the conventional economist, everybody's going to blame protectionism, but it will actually be what's happening on the on the credit side that matters more than on the trade side. Yeah. Well, okay, just one final point on trade, though. Uh, we have him talking protectionism, and we've got a, a, a British prime minister talking globalism, and they're supposedly going to work together. How's that going to? Uh, how's that going to pan out? <laughs> oh, it's going to be fun to see the body language there, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. All right. Well, look, it's going to be interesting to watch, as you say, and uh, it could all move very quickly. Uh, we'll uh, we'll watch the space with keen interest. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it, really, that he's going to reduce the budget uh, so he's going to get less revenue, but he's going to do more with it. And what happens when it doesn't work out his way? Be prepared for the world's biggest dummy spit, I think. Uh, even bigger than the one about uh, the press saying that he didn't have that many people turning up for his inauguration. Uh, that's it for the Debunking Economics podcast. There are loads more of these some of them are free some of them are only available to subscribers but you can peruse them all at debunkingeconomics.com i'm phil dobby catch you next time mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you've enjoyed listening to Debunking Economics, uh, even if you haven't, you might also enjoy the Y-Curve. Each week, Roger Hearing and I talk to a guest about a topic that is very much in the news that week. It's lively, it's fun, it's informative. What more could you want? So search the Y-Curve in your favourite podcast app or go to ycurve.com to listen.